Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. We have the fortunate opportunity to hear from two recent college graduates, Kelly and Byron. They also happen to be two Teresa Freeman associates. They talk about prepping for life after college, internships, and working for TFA. These two get candid and real on overcoming challenges, the power of network, being resourceful, and why engaging in a variety of jobs and social activities is critical to helping you find your interests and passion. On a personal note, I'm so thankful for the work Byron and Kelly are doing for TFA. They're both talented, eager, energetic, and really helpful, and I can't wait to see how they progress. There's such great practical advice and good sharing throughout this discussion. Enjoy this episode. Byron and Kelly are joining us today. It's very exciting. So we get to talk to them about their TFA experience. And we're also going to talk with them about their own journey and how they navigated kind of post-college, finding jobs, all that good stuff, and give us some great insight. Let's see if we have anything to offer. <laughs> so maybe I'll first start by just sharing that at TFA, this has been a, an exciting year and we had the opportunity to hire some additional help uh, in addition to Missy, who's our producer and really all things extraordinaire. And, uh, and then we had an opportunity to hire extra help for both the podcast, but also for TFA more broadly. And we added um, Kelly and Byron to the team. And Kelly's a recent graduate from UVA and Byron's a recent graduate from George Mason. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to have them join us for an episode uh, because they are right in the throes of a lot of what we talk about in terms of our podcast interviews and a lot of the work that we're doing at TFA around development. So. We thought this would be a nice opportunity to to meet with you and to hear a little bit about your experiences. I think they're both unique. And one of the things that Missy and I have talked a lot about as we were interviewing and hiring for these positions is that you both bring a very diverse perspective and different experience to the table, which I think has been really great for us in TFA as we continue to grow. And so I think having that here and then being able to share that with our audience is a real treat. And also hearing how you've had, you know, a different path and different choices along the way and maybe how that's shaped you. So we appreciate you taking the time at the end of the year here to to connect with us and, and talk. Uh, maybe we'll start with just brief introductions that might help. Uh, you can just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, where you are now and a little bit about maybe um, you know where you grew up or anything that you think just is relevant in terms of an intro and then we can get into the Q&A. And Byron, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, well, thanks Teresa again for having us here and for doing this interview with you on your podcast. It's such a privilege and an honor. So thank you. So I guess a little bit about myself. I'm Byron Phillips, I'm born and raised here in Alexandria, Virginia near like the Mount Vernon area. I am Caribbean. So that's a little interesting fact about me. I'm also black and gay for those that can't see me right now. Um, so that's a little something about me as well. Um, yeah, as Teresa mentioned, I just graduated from George Mason and now I'm working as a TFA associate, but I'm also working a full-time job in the nonprofit sector. And so I'm, I'm pretty busy doing a lot of stuff and I do a lot of community work as well both in DC and still at George Mason doing some diversity things. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's great. And I definitely want to talk to you more about that. I think being someone who's so engaged in a lot of different things, uh, I know when I was your age, it was sort of just find the one job. I had no idea that you could actually, <laughs> it, you know, have yourself involved in so many different types of activities uh, at the same time. And I think that's a really cool way to approach life right out of school as you're trying to learn about new things. And, and so I'm really interested to hear about your 
perspective and how that came to be and, and how that developed. Kelly, what about you? Hello. Well, thank you so much for having us on for this conversation. It's so exciting after listening to all of your episodes since we've been been here now to be on one ourselves. So this is great. Yes. So I'm Kelly Heartless and I just graduated from UVA, as you mentioned, Teresa, and I studied English and Spanish while I was there. So pretty heavy on the languages. Yeah, I have been in the waiting game to uh, head over to Spain where I'll be teaching English as part of a Fulbright scholarship, which I'm very excited about, but kind of been a, as much as a pandemic can be, you know, a blessing in disguise. The opportunities that I've had with TFA uh, in the meantime have been awesome. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if the world hadn't shut down. So very grateful for, for I guess, the way that things have worked out despite um, the, the trying times that are happening around us. Yeah, I think that's actually a good place to start. Maybe talk a little bit, both of you, as you were in your senior year of college and you're looking ahead at different opportunities or as you started to think about planning for your life after college and, and looking at you know what you wanted to do. Tell me a little bit, Mick Kelly, we'll just start with you. Like, Tell me a little bit about that and and I and I'm sorry I think I don't know if I heard you say did you mention you were a Fulbright scholar or did you leave that you did yeah I slid that one in there <laughs> okay good I was gonna say if you didn't I was going to but tell me a little bit about maybe just how that factors in is that like what the application process is like for that or when you you know when you're going into senior year did you know that's something that you always wanted to do maybe just talk us through that a little bit yeah sure so the process for applying for a Fulbright scholarship begins, or at least for me, it began the summer before my senior year. Okay. That was when I started really um, going to some info sessions and learning more about the process and meeting with, we had an awesome advisor at our school who would help us through that process and had workshops for us and would w- work through just kind of the the personal exploration part that you have to go through to figure out why you want to go on the grant and and what you would do with it. And so that process began pretty, I'm not a great planner. So it was for me really, really premature to start thinking about what I wanted to do post-grad when I was still, I hadn't even begun my fourth year of college yet. Right. But I think it ended up working out really well because that was something that I was always passionate about. I had the opportunity to study abroad in Spain my third year of college. And so since I got that opportunity, I knew that I wanted to to go back if I had the op- had the chance and really invest more in the community rather than coming on more of a, you know, American and Europe exploration, uh, which was a little bit more of what my study abroad ended up being. So I think I was really excited about the opportunity to dive more into a community in Spain and really get to know the culture better. And so that's why I was so drawn to Fulbright specifically. And there are other programs that have awesome missions and you get to do similar things with teaching in a community in Spain. Um, And so I was looking into all different kinds of options, especially since I was really just not counting on Fulbright coming through for me. So uh, so I definitely had some other avenues that I was pursuing as well, but they were all in the, the education abroad sphere, specifically in Spain. So as I was working on my application and doing my interviews with my advisor and really trying to dig deep into what's the what's the purpose of it, you know, it's not just because I want to go back and be in Spain because, you know, you could do that as a tourist, but there had to be more there. And so it was really such an enlightening experience for me to to dig into that. And that was awesome. And I think it really, if I was passionate before about going and immersing myself in a community in Spain, then after that application process, I was, I was set. I was, I knew that that's what I was going to be doing. It was just a matter of how and through which program. And so I went through a bunch of application processes for those different programs. And for Fulbright specifically, you apply in October, at the very beginning of October of your senior year, or I guess the year before you wanna go. And then you don't find out until 
anywhere from March to June of, uh, you know, so just a couple of months before you'd be leaving, which is a, a little bit stressful to not know right. um, for that long. And you have to continue making plans. And especially, you know, as Byron, I'm sure felt it's, it's kind of stressful when everybody around you is interviewing and making these concrete plans and they come up to you and they're like, I just got a job offer. I know where I'm going to be. Now I'm going to start looking for roommates and stuff. And it's so exciting to see your friends figuring out what they're doing, but that waiting process it's easy to to get caught up in I'm I'm super behind. I should be I should know what I'm doing and I have no idea. So uh, I was still in that waiting process when the pandemic hit and schools got shut down and we got sent home from the, for the semester. So another element of chaos. But I found out shortly after that I had gotten into, or I guess, no, it was shortly before the pandemic that I had gotten into one of um, my other programs. And so I knew that I was going to be in Spain, which was incredible and such a relief and really felt like I was, I was in the right direction. I knew that I was headed on the right path, which was exciting. And then I guess probably a month into the pandemic. So April-ish, I um, found out that I got the Fulbright. And so I changed course to to accept that one, which was honestly just one of the most unreal. Like, I have never been more proud than that moment. So that was really exciting. On the Fulbright front, is that when you're applying for that grant, is that grant specific to you? So you're essentially saying, here's my passion. Here's what I'm interested in. Here's how I want to impact the community. That's your application. And then they're evaluating, obviously, a gazillion of those. And so then mm-hmm. they're deciding based on those applications who they want to essentially back. And and that's so that's in an individual level. Yeah. So it, it there are a couple of different um, paths you can take with Fulbright. So you can go for research or for grad school um, or even for you know, pursuing an art project. Um, And then the one that I'm doing is an ETA, so to be an English teaching assistant. And so the job that you'll do is the same, but where it differs, so like the more individual level is you share your reasoning for why you wanna go, why it has to be Spain. That's another another thing. It can't just be, I wanna go abroad and teach English. And then also, Something that's really cool about the Fulbright is you have a personal project that you work on while you're there. So you have to come up with uh, basically some sort of initiative or or program or even just an activity that you're going to delve further into um, in order to get to know the community and share your culture as well. And and then you also have community engagement plans. So how are you planning on really investing in that community and becoming a part of it um, while you're there? Okay, cool. Byron, talk a little bit about your last year and what that was like. Yeah, so my last year was um, pretty hectic, pretty crazy. Even before COVID and, you know, having to go home for the rest of the semester. But um, I guess the most pivotal moment in my senior year, not high school, senior year of college, um, was really when, you know, my last semester, because I was working two internships, um, one on campus, one with the federal government um, that I had for two years before. And so, you know, I was enjoying that, getting that kind of experience as an intern. But I was also, you know, kind of struggling with classes and stuff. Academically, I've always been, you know, phenomenal once I hit college. Like once I got to college, that was it. I always got A's, um, was on the dean's list every semester, even summer semesters. So it was great, but um, it was the struggle of trying to keep up with two internships and go to school full time and, and do everything. But I think the big thing for me, like Kelly was talking about, was really trying to apply for jobs and make sure that I had a job lined up for after I graduated. The track that I was on in my mind was, okay, I had this government internship for two years. That's just what I'm going to do. You know, they have like a recent graduate program and I was planning to, that's my, the whole reason as to why I was working with them for two years was to, you know, prune and prep myself to get ready to work there as a recent graduate. And unfortunately, those plans kind of didn't happen just because of the hiring freeze and everything going on with COVID. And so I had a real moment where I was just like, wow, like, okay, 
what am I going to do? Because I didn't have a backup plan. And I always have backup plans. So um, <laughs> to not have one in a situation where, you know, everything is kind of out of your control with COVID and just, you know, I'm not the only one, right, that's getting told, well, we're no longer accepting applicants or, um, uh, you know, we're no longer hiring anyone because of COVID and everything like that. It's really, it does a lot to your like personal esteem and it kind of hurts you, um, especially when you're in a situation like I was phenomenal academically, like got all these experiences. I studied abroad, went to Oxford. I did a fellowship and coming out of college too, like I was presented with two awards that I got for my involvement in the community and working in nonprofits, also helping out the school with diversity work and also just being a peace building fellow as well. So like I had all this stuff on my plate that I felt as though I had to do and that I needed to do that I enjoyed, but um, to kind of realize in the end that it, you know, a lot of it was not totally for nothing, right? It did help me and make me who I am today, but um, it was sad kind of realizing that, oh my gosh, like I'm not gonna get a job. And I, you know, I'm great on paper, I'm great in person. So yeah, it was, it was very interesting my last year. And I think coming out of it, I, I, re I learned a lot in terms of like the power of networking and connecting with you and working with TFA and also just kind of staying true to who I am and kind of realizing that, you know what, despite COVID, despite everything that's going on, like you're still great, you know, your experiences won't be lost, right? So, yeah. I feel like that's such an important lesson for all of us in that when you plan, when you're a planner or you're someone that has conceivably everything you're supposed to do what they tell you to do what they whoever they is and you do all the right things and this can be in relationships this can be when you're talking about pursuing jobs that you know I think this is true in all aspects of life which is you can do all the right things and still fall down and still have significant challenges ahead of you where particularly I think in your case and there's a lot of people I'm sure and even you Kelly too kind of talking about like not really knowing and just having to be okay with the not knowing when you've had this charted path that has worked well for you we both went to great schools you both were heavily involved in school you both did well in school right so it's like so far you're like you know clicking those gates and you're doing what you're supposed to do and then to, I'm sure the COVID thing I, I can't even imagine as, as a senior or as in your fourth year, like experiencing that. And, and that's a huge letdown, right? Just in terms of everything that happens ceremony, ceremoniously is, is important. It's part of the milestone. It's like, so you're robbed of that. And then you're also robbed of, hey, I, I went into this internship program with the expectation that I would for sure be taken care of financially with this job. So I think... I, I think one of my questions, just follow-up questions to that would be, what enabled you to pivot and say, okay, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, and now I've got to come up with another plan? Like, did you have a good few weeks where you wallowed and you were sad, or was it immediately, you know, I've got to figure out a plan and, and start tapping into resources and other things? Yeah, I think for me it was immediately I had to like pump the brakes and everything and kind of just pull myself together. I had a moment where like a little bit right before graduation was supposed to happen. I was like, okay, Byron, um, you know, like you still have your internships. You can ride that out until July. And then until then it's work, work, work until you can land something. If not, that's okay too. At least, you know, you have good people around you that can help and support you. Um, not just financially, but also just emotionally and mentally, because I think that's very important when you're young with all the pressure that you have to deal with already, you know, transitioning from college into the working world, it's important to have good support systems around you. So I guess to kind of answer your question, yeah, I just had a moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to work really hard and do my best, but at the same time, I'm not going to kill myself over it too, because that's not going to help me or help anyone else around me um, in the long term of things. Yeah. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. 
maybe we'll just talk a little bit about internships because Kelly, I know Kelly how Kelly and I got connected is she had done an internship at Amazon and one of my old colleagues at Amazon referred Kelly to me when I was looking for um, potential interns and support at TFA. So Kelly, talk a little bit about how you acquired, I mean, that's a, a, a good internship. So tell me about how that came to be for you and um, what that experience was like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as, as Byron mentioned, the importance of networking and using your connections, I, I have always heard that, but I don't think it really sunk in until, you know, I look back and every job that I've ever had has been because I knew someone and I feel very fortunate that that has worked out in that way and that I have people around me who are willing to step up to the plate and and say something and put my name in the ring which is incredible but yeah so that is the same colleague who referred me to you also um, referred me into Amazon because she was working there and was able to find me a a spot in the recruiting world, which was really cool. So I got to come in as a contract employee because they didn't have interns in the HR sphere at that point. And so I was able to come in and work under some incredible people who really showed me the ropes because I had never worked in HR before. I had a huge interest in it and I'd gone to some panels to learn more about it, but I hadn't actually had experience. And I know some schools have HR tracks that you can go into, but UVA is not one of those. So I was coming in with my my English and my Spanish <laughs> and doing the best I could. Um, but it was an incredible experience. That first year, I uh, was a, oh goodness, why am I blanking? <laughs> coordinator for experience? There or? you go. Thank yeah. you. A recruiting coordinator. Just mind to mush for a second. <laughs> But yes, and so I got to help with scheduling the interviews and um, interacting with some candidates, but it was so exciting because I got to do a little bit more than that in taking on some initiatives for just how to improve team efficiency because there are some different standards that you have to meet on your team for you know the amount of time it takes to turn around and get back to a candidate and just those those standards for interactions with customers. And so I had the opportunity, thanks to my awesome manager who really gave me some freedom to explore and try and make an impact in whatever way I could, which that was my first job. And that was an incredible experience to feel that even as an intern, I could make an impact and kind of try out new things and I had the uh, the freedom to to do that and then bring back my findings to the team and it could actually be implemented and carried through. So that was a great first summer and then I came back the next year uh, as a sourcing recruiter. So I got to go out and actually find candidates, which was so cool. And just, I mean, it's a whole new world for me. I hadn't really gotten to do that as much. Uh, the first summer. So I got to come into a very established role um, on a team that was, uh, they really, they knew what they were doing, but they were so great to bring me in and help me work through things and allow me to to figure out my own way of doing things um, while, you know, guiding me and, but not leashing me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that those internships were really great because I had I had the the structure there, but I was also given freedom to to really learn on my own and and figure out ways to keep going uh, in a creative way, which was exciting as well. And for the connection, let's just talk for one second about how that conversation. So she was a neighbor, right? So how does mm-hmm. the conversation go in terms of getting? you into that slot as a contractor. So is that something you you knew she was at Amazon and you approached her or because you were so familiar you'd see each other in the driveway and then it was like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be free this summer. I'm looking for something." Like tell us a little bit. It's a little specific, but I do think people are sometimes curious about what actually landed that for you or what helped you get that opportunity. Definitely. 
Yeah, so it was more the familiarity track. I, as I'm sure plenty of people are, I'm a little uncomfortable going straight up to someone and saying, I know you have this, this connection. I know you work here and I would really appreciate it if you'd help me out. And so it was definitely not that. Um, I'm learning to be more assertive, but I definitely could not have done that because I was, I was very familiar with her family as well. So I was friends with her daughter. And so I would be over at their house. And especially as you, you know, talking around your friends' families just about what's going on and we've grown up in the same neighborhood and gone to the same schools and such. So I think there'd definitely been a familiarity with what we're both involved in in school and, and all of that. Me and her daughter both, not yeah. me and her. Right. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> and so I had definitely mentioned, I think one time when I was over there that I I had no idea what I wanted to do and this is going back a little bit, yeah. I think probably back in high school, um, that I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked English, but I wasn't sure where to take that because I wasn't sure that teaching was really my thing. And here I am now going to teach anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah. I remember that she had said, you know, you should really, you should think about HR. You should think about recruiting because it has the people aspect that I know that you're looking for but it also has, there's a, there's an analytic side to it. You have to be, you have to have some critical thinking in there to really, to excel and to figure out who's going to be the best fit and to think creatively about who could come into a job and excel. And I think that was the first time that I had actually thought about it. So it was her giving me that push to think about mm -hmm. even HR as a possible track. And then I kind of did my own research on the side and then skip to I guess a couple of years later and she said you know we're actually looking to see if we could bring in someone younger into uh you know a temporary position this summer so would you be interested send me your email or your resume if you haven't gotten anything yet and I think it's just a testament to her how good she is at her job that she is always she's she she's always looking at people's talents and their their strengths and where they could excel and so and then you know she was able to connect me to you too so i think it just shows you that she's she's great at finding that stuff she's obviously in the right the right lane um so it was definitely all thanks to her and then i got into the the interview process and and, and then i want to ask byron the same question the one thing i will say with 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 at least my experience with both of you, what I know of spending time in campus recruiting early in my career, being in charge of internship programs, you know, there's something here that's so important around once you're given that opportunity, how do you show up in that opportunity? And regardless of who you know or how you got there, ultimately you're not gonna get asked back. Um, for another summer, or you might not even make it your full internship if you're not delivering. And and by delivery, that's going to mean different things at different times. And I'm sure you've both experienced that now um, at different levels, depending on what, what you're doing, right? But I think making sure that, you, yes, there's the networking and there's being able to to have that opportunity, which is huge. And then it's what do you do with it and and how do you how do you engage and i and i can speak per personally with with both of you that no task is too menial you've been very much like whatever needs to get done let's do it i mean obviously we're a small organization here so very very small so all of us are doing that all the time and so even me as the owner ceo you're seeing me do that so it it would be bizarre if you were like, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't do that. I don't do administrative because here I am doing it all the time. But I do think still, I from from my perspective, when I'm working with less experienced talent or people that are just starting out, that, that ability to like be of service in any way is hugely important and I think then creates opportunities. So I would just, I think it's an interesting because I think sometimes people think, well, I don't have a network and I'm never going to get that break. And, and that it may be harder when you when you don't or you st may have to do a little more pounding the pavement like Byron did, right, where he thought he had this thing locked in the bag and then eventually he had to change course. Uh, it's still once you get it, it kind of what you do with it. 
So Byron, maybe talk a little bit about how you got your internship. Yeah, I guess, so my government internship, I got that through a really old family friend that worked at the Defense Logistics Agency. And so um, she was just, she's always been really on me a lot growing up saying, hey, you know, like once I got to high school and then I got to college, she was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're about to be an adult soon. These are some of the things you need to do and I want to help you out. And so she got me hooked up on like USA Jobs and was sending me jobs all the time. was like, please apply. Even though they were, you know, very like high experience jobs, I was like, I'm only, I'm only in ninth grade. Like, what are you, what are you um, <laughs> like I can't get that job. <laughs> Just so through her, I was able to, you know, get that job working as an office support admin in the workforce development and intern center there. Yeah, like you were saying, Teresa, it was a lot of small work to do, but it was, I mean, during the time that I spent there and. Um, kind of just getting that experience and that trust with coworkers, employees, and supervisors and directors of different teams. You know, I realized that, oh my gosh, like I'm actually taking on bigger projects and I'm being involved in recruitment work with George Mason and stuff too, which is interesting because I was a student there as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is an experience. But um, yeah, so I guess through my internship experience, I, I kind of learned a lot. And that's kind of how I got started working with the federal government as an intern was through my um family member. And then with George Mason, I had a professor named Patricia Malden, who is phenomenal. Um, I had her in, for, as a teacher for one of my classes and I did my fellowship. And then she has like this intern program that she runs as well. And so I worked as a conflict resolution uh, practitioner and I helped her with one of the schools that she worked with in Winchester, Virginia. And um, we really, we went in and we did a lot of work with some of the students and some of the teachers and facilitating dialogue and conversations. And it was very like touching, meaningful work for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can so see myself doing this uh, as it was like right up my degree program and track as a conflict resolution student. And um, it also kind of touched on like some HR concepts as well. So I enjoyed it. You know, for you both, what, I, what I'm so envious of, and I, I would challenge people to think about it seems you both figured out things that you like to do or things that were important to you you know you had talked about English Kelly and that being like resonating and know you wanted to do that just not exactly what you want to do with it and then Byron for you I think being in the school of conflict resolution generally knowing like these are the skills or this is what I want to practice and then how I'm going to practice that I think people spending some time in school really thinking about that, reflecting on that, talking to people about that. I I fell into, my degree was in communications, which obviously now looking back, is, you know, given that that's where I'm, I'm focused right now in terms of helping develop these skills, I think I sort of fell into it. There was a lot in that degree program that I really liked. And once I started getting into the things that interest me, I would do really well in those classes. So that was all good. Uh, but I think on the the people development side, the helping side. I mean, there's a whole other lane, you know, whether I could have been a therapist or whether I could have done done something more specific around, you know, gotten my MSW, a master's in social work. I could, you know, there's a whole other lane that I think if I had taken advantage of career center or taken advantage of talking to people, I, I think part of it maybe is generational. I don't know, Miss, if you, if you feel that way too, but like it, and when I went to school, it was like you just you pick your thing and you do it. I don't, or the people I surrounded myself with, it wasn't as much of a conversation. Or and it sounds like both of you, which is really nice, had certain individuals kind of looking out for you to say, "Hey, like tapping you on the shoulder, like try this, do this." And so I think one of the messages to that is say yes, right? When you're when you are tapped, say yes because I know even if I was tapped, I was probably afraid to do certain things because I thought I couldn't do it or I wouldn't be smart enough or I wouldn't be good enough. And the fact that you both put yourselves in situations where you don't really know what you're doing <laughs> and you're just, you just are, you, right? And I think that's so brave, really. Like, and I think a lot of people hide from from those opportunities because they, they don't want to fail or they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to be embarrassed. So I feel like that's that's really important. Maybe talk a little bit about, in terms of, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about people and their evolution on sort of on a personal level or anything that like 
affected how you've navigated certain things, right? So whether it's a personal challenge or maybe a professional challenge or something that has really helped shape how you both engage in the world, because I think you're both people that are engaged at a pretty high frequency. So I'm curious, how, how does that, you know, how does that come to be in terms of, was that, were you always like that? Were you always both very driven? Were you, you know, did you always have a lot of confidence? Was there periods where you really had to kind of dig deep? Maybe talk just about an experience that maybe helped shape that. Byron, we'll start with you. Uh, Okay. Um, So um, an experience in which I guess, so growing up, I mean, I was always very involved in a lot of different stuff. Um, I was involved in church. I was involved with school, school academics, school things. Uh, I did marching band when I was in school. I played the clarinet for a very long time. I also played the clarinet with a lot of people in the community. Um, I was in community bands, so I met a lot of like skilled 80 year old, 90 year old people that still can play a, you know, a clarinet, hold a <laughs> note, all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But I guess it was through school and through my mom and, you know, a lot of her pushing me to do things and get me outside of my shell. Cause when I was young, I was not the kind of person I liked to go out and hang out with. I mean, I love to be outside, but it was not the type of person that would walk up and hold a conversation or, um, you know, do things that would, I guess, do social things. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, do you want to play sports? Do you want to do this? And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm not into, like, I'm gay. I'm not into sports. Like, stop asking me if I want to play soccer. I don't want to play soccer. But I guess it was really in high school is when I was like, you know what? I'm going to do marching band. Um, she kind of pushed me to do that too. I'm not going to take all the credit, but I stuck through it and I enjoyed it. And I think it was in those earlier stages of my teen, preteen life when um, I kind of realized my own potential and my own abilities, my own value really, to kind of connect with people and what that means and what that feels like for me as a person. And so, yeah, that's just- Did you always know you were gay? That's a great question and I get asked all the time. So no, I did not. So I guess to answer that question, when I was like in kindergarten, I always knew I was different than the boys in the room. I always, you know, resonated better with women. I always hung out more with girls, I guess girls in my class. We're just better. Um, Uh, Hello. Girls are better. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of the topics (laughs) and conversations that guys had, you know, cars and trucks and construction stuff, I was like, I don't care. So I guess I always just had a better connection with girls and that whole, everything girls talk about at at that time at like five and six. So I always knew it was different. It wasn't really until I got to like late elementary school and uh, middle school and people was like, oh my gosh, like, are you gay? I'm like, no, like, what is that? <laughs> um, I had no idea what that meant. I literally had to go right. to dictionary and look it up. And I just, at the time it was still gay, it just means to be happy. And I was like, well, maybe I am gay because I am happy all the time. And then I guess when I got to high school is when my mom was like, are you dating someone? Like, do you like someone? Asked me all these questions. And I was like, okay, you're very curious. You want to know what about, you know, am I gay or not? And so I guess that's when I had a moment to myself and I was like, yeah, Byron, like you are, you're gay and that's okay. So I came out and it was really a breakthrough and it's what helped me in lots of avenues in my life, professionally, personally, just kind of realizing my own truth and never being afraid to tell my own truth and story. So. How was that? Um, so did your mom know, do you think? And yeah, so think... what was that, that? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't sound like that was a huge hurdle to be able to tell her that, or was it? Honestly, it, it kind of was. I think every parent has an idea. If you have a gay child or a child that's in the community of the spectrum, um, I think you have an idea for sure. Definitely. I always say you don't know what you don't know until someone comes out and tells you. Right. Um, and so for my mom, she it's very weird because growing up, I was, you know, she gave me a lot of freedom and opportunity to kind of express myself in different ways, right? Like messing around with like things that are stereotypically women uh, stuff and toys and things like that. Like I would play with sometimes and she wouldn't say anything um, unless my dad rolled around. Then it was like, okay, you gotta stop doing that. Um, mm. So it was, it was weird. In a lot of ways, she kind of knew, she kind of understood or had a feeling that I might be something more than just your average teenage or average kid on the way. Yeah, it was definitely still hard for her because I think it was a hard pill for her to swallow. I think she, like a lot of parents have ideas of what they want their 
children to be like in the future. You know, have a white a white picket fence house with a wife and all that stuff. If you have a son, um, if it's a girl, the opposite. But um, for her, when I came out and told her, because she kept asking me and was kept nagging me, um, I didn't really want to, and she didn't always accept it. But after a while, and just through talking, after one weekend, she was so open. So. And then just that, I think. I've heard this, I don't know, but just being able to actually say it out loud and to your point, Rent, like you're not hiding or trying to be something you're not. I, I, I can only imagine how liberating that is and to your point around, it just opens up the aperture, right, for you to experience life in a whole different way than I would think like if you're having to hide that part of yourself or pretend that that's not there. Absolutely. Sure. I always say that you're not really living until you have that moment in your life where you come out and you say something that's been on your chest for right. a very long time. Yeah, true. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfreemanassociates.com. What about you, Kelly? terms of formative experiences or challenges? Oh, goodness. Formative experiences. There have been so many. Um, And I think that's such a cool thing. Just looking back, uh, I love this question because I think, especially even in like COVID times, it's so, I mean, we're not going out and about and and meeting a bunch of new people and making a bunch of new crazy memories. Um, So it's really been a time of reflection for me. And so getting to to look back and think about all of the people who have kind of nudged me along and, and supported me when I wasn't really sure that there was anything worth supporting, you know, like there have just been so many moments. But I think in terms of getting me to where I am and kind of pushing me to to find my passions and kind of understand really what it is about me that that makes me tick, I guess. I was always involved in in stuff in school. I was in student council. I was in theater. I was on the basketball team, on the soccer teams. So I, I definitely was in a bunch of different realms and I volunteered in uh, some elementary schools. And so there was a lot going on, um, but I never really understood any connection there. I just kind of thought it was, well, I I like doing this and well, this is kind of cool. So I might as well do this and this is fun, but I didn't really have any idea where that was leading me. And I think that kind of became very apparent to me, my lack of direction in college, because when I came from such a, I guess, comfortable environment, honestly. Um, there were there were things that challenged me in high school for sure and experiences that challenged me, but but it wasn't as much a challenging, comprehensive experience, if that makes sense. Sure. So then getting into college, you, you start over in whether that's you want to look at everything that you've been doing and change something about it, or if that's just because you don't have you know, friends coming from your high school. And so you're like, well, now I need to, I got to find some people to hang out with, I guess. Um, And so I came from, you know, I had a very established group of friends at home and I knew a large portion of my high school class and, um, and a lot of the teachers at my school and like that safety Does that give me away as as a nerd. I was (laughs) good friends with some teachers, um, but Yeah. So then going into college and I didn't know any of my professors and I didn't have, honestly, I didn't have that uh, name recognition that I was used to having built up in high school. And that was scary. So I think I kind of floundered just a little bit my first year of college, especially that first semester, because I was used to knowing what I was involved in. I knew I do the, this, 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 I, you know, I am a leader of this, this, and this. And I think leading was something that I really, uh, it was very, it was driving to me. You know, it was a a huge piece of purpose in my life. Um, And so then all of a sudden I came in and I was just a student and I hadn't gotten involved in any clubs yet. I really didn't know too many people. I ended up in a suite 
rather than a haul, which is not a big deal, but for someone who who just absolutely thrives off of large groups all the time, uh, that was that was a huge adjustment for me to come in and just have, you know, five other people in my in my home situation rather than twenty, right. and then plus a full dorm. So, so all of those little things I think pushed me into that level of discomfort that I hadn't really experienced before and that I really needed in order to to find what I was actually what you know what is it about me that that I need to keep going you know or what do I what are the things that drive me really right. you know what are the things in my life is it something it was was it just those organizations in high school or is there something deeper that that really pushed me and then that was just the manifestation was those different organizations that I was involved in. And so I think that moment really came because um, I tried out a couple of different clubs and things um, and tried finding some new people. But I think the real moment was, again, talking to people around me and finding out what they were involved in. And I had seen one of my high school friends actually, gotta love those connections <laughs> going into college. He was working in the admissions office and he mentioned it in passing one time. And then I kind of pushed him a little bit on like, what, did, how did you do that? I felt a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't want to be like, you have this awesome opportunity and I really also want this awesome opportunity, but he was, volunteering in the admissions office. And so he told me about the uh, the organization that he was doing it through. And so based off of his, you know, recommendation, I was able to get back, get in touch with that organization, get involved. And then that really became, that was my, I, you know, that was my place in, in college. I felt so purposeful when I was a part of this organization. And um, it was the Virginia ambassadors. So basically, we were the student arm of the admissions office. And so we ran like the move-in program to get all of the entire, you know, first year class at UVA moved into their dorm rooms. And we stayed around in the admissions office to answer questions after tours of the campus and, oh, grounds, sorry. <laughs> My UVA friends would be ashamed. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and we ran the um, admitted students day and days. And so all of those programs really embodied kind of what I had been searching for in all of my involvements in high school. And it really brought all of those things that I was so passionate about and the feelings that I loved of being in community and connecting people and kind of just trying to help people feel that they were on the right path. And so I think that that was what really gave me purpose. And so being able to struggle in that that time of discomfort at the beginning of that first semester, and honestly, throughout first my whole first year, uh, I think that was a really influential grind for me, honestly, yep. just to, to keep working through that discomfort and then eventually keep asking around talk to people about what they're involved in and what they were passionate about. And then that led me to something that I just really, I can't imagine my college time without. Um, I think, so I think that was yeah, both, both of you have described something that I think is so important, which is obviously you're both super engaged in a lot of different activities. So part of life in figuring out life and figuring out what you want is through engaging in lots of different things. And I think we've had a lot of talk, talked to a lot of people on this podcast where they've talked about that experimenting, talked about trying out different committees, activities, careers, you know, before you can kind of find that thing. And you, you both early on, it seemed like we're doing that. And I think that's, and I think your experience in your freshman year or first year are, are, is similar to a lot of people in that you find yourself as you're leaving high school mostly you think of yourself as a fully formed human even though you're really not um, but you have arrived at certain things you're now right you're in your fourth year senior year of high school you're kind of kings of the campus you know what's going on right in some respect and then yeah it starts all over again and that's on a much bigger 
stage where what was like currency in high school isn't really currency in college. And so having to figure that out is tough. And I think to your point, I love the word grind that you used and that there is a process to it and you can't, you can't circumvent process sometimes. You can't, you've got to go through it. And I think people often, I know we do it even at, at my age, but I know significantly at people at your age and, and in high school, it's like the, the looking at a ra- people around you and thinking, well, they've got it all figured out and they have all the answers and school comes so easy to them. And all these assumptions and stereotypes when really each person has their own grind or, or issues or sacrifices or compromise or all these things that they're trying to work out. Uh, yeah. So even if they look on the outside like they have it all together, or they're happy all the time, or it's just it's roses and lollipops, you know, it's it's everybody's got to kind of go through that to get to that place where you start to feel that reward. And I think you've both done a really good job, even in this short time, describing some situations of where you've had to dig deep and, and figure that out. Um, so we only have a little bit of time left. I, I think I'd love to hear your perspective on because obviously it's near and dear to my heart. From a soft skills perspective, we talked a lot about network, obviously. Um, And I would be curious, and I'm gonna put you on the spot, but I would be curious, one, we always ask folks, which I think it's a fun question around if you're, you know, talking to young Byron or young Kelly, um, you know, one or two things that you would say to just have them be on the lookout, right? And then the other thing I would say is, you know, based on our working together outside of the networking piece, because we've talked about that a bit, what have you found to be interesting or of value when you think about the soft skills work that, that we've been doing or that, that you've been influenced by being a part of TFA? Uh, and Byron, I'll start with you with that. Okay. So I'll answer your second thing first for answer, but I would tell younger Byron. Um, okay. With regards to soft skills and just from my experience in working as a TFA associate and working closely with you, Missy and Kelly, um, I think the big thing that I have learned and you know understand a lot more now is communication is key. Like communication is everything. And I think that's a huge part, not just communication, but also like being able to reflect and um, then communicate. I think those are two important things in tandem with each other that I did a lot of before, but not necessarily in like the professional realm or with regards to, you know, having that close connection with someone that has a little bit more experience than you do, right? Like being able to kind of communicate and reflect on their experiences, your experiences and mesh those things things together um, to kind of like produce a final product or give a presentation and, you know, do certain things that you would need to do um, in like the business world or just in general. So I think with regards to soft skills, definitely communicating and being able to reflect and know what it is you want to say and how you say it and how that resonates with people is extremely important and something that I'm continuing to work on and improve as I go through life. So thank you so much for that, everyone, um, <laughs> TFA. And then I, the one thing I would tell younger Byron is, and it's funny because I was asked this question before a long time ago and I still have the same answer and response now, which is just keep doing what you're doing. It's working, it's paying off. And, you know, there will be challenges in life, of course, and there will be things that you're going to go through and that's okay. Um, That's always my, if anything ever happens to me, just know like that's okay is going to be written on my little statue because I always say that to every, like anything that happens, tornado runs by, that's okay, guys, it's okay. Like that was going to happen, it's supposed to happen, it has to happen, but everything's going to work out fine. Little Byron, and um, just know that that if anyone ever tells you like you can't do something, of course, you can always do it. Um, but I think one big thing that I didn't always say before that I'm going to say now that to younger Byron, which is uh, it's okay to say no sometimes. I think growing up as a young individual, especially a young individual of color that is also gay, you're always taught like you're supposed to say yes to things because if you don't say yes, then people are going to see you as like weak or see you as oh, like he's just a lazy worker or oh, he's just funny and has good style and that's there's nothing else much to him. There's no substance, right? But that's that's not true. Like you, there's so much value in me and in younger Byron and other younger Byrons out there. And so it's important to sometimes step up, self-advocate and say, no, like I'm not going to do this today or I'm not going to do this because um, it doesn't doesn't feel right to me. It's something else I want to do. And I think that's okay. And it's, important lesson to learn 
professionally too, is knowing when your limits are and when people are crossing your boundaries and you got to say no. I love that. Yeah, the art of saying no, that's a whole chapter. It's, a, it's not easy to say no, right? <laughs> and being able to say no in a way that's respectful and not career limiting, but is, is within appropriate boundaries, particularly I would say when you're earlier in your career, it's really tricky um, how you do that and when you do that. Um, but you do have a voice, you're right. And I love what you said about you have value, right? You have value now, you have value then. And um, that's, that. you have that now like already going. I mean, that you're ahead of the game. It's taken me, you know, 30 years to figure out that. So you guys are doing, you guys are good if you got that already going on. Um, okay, Kelly, what about you? How to follow up that. Byron's a professional inspirational speaker out here. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say I'm going to go ahead and echo what Byron, what you said about communication. I think that that's one thing that I have learned from being with TFA, just communication. And then also, Teresa, what I remember one thing that stood out to me when I first joined was how much you talked about the importance of playing into each other's strengths and recognizing those and then being able to use them to our advantage. So not saying, well, you're kind of weak in this area. So we're going to, we're going to try and kind of push that workload off of you, but really celebrating people's strengths. And I think that falls into communication to, to really learn how to say, you know, this just isn't really, I'll, I'll do my best. Don't get me wrong. I will always try my best and you can give me anything and I'll do it. But also trying to be able to communicate with your team about where do your strengths lie? How can we use those to really work together most effectively so that all of us are really utilizing all of these gifts that we have? Because how awesome is it that us, you know, we can all come together, even our team, and we have so many different different strengths and different abilities and different perspectives to bring to the table. And then we can use them effectively together to create all of these and reach all of these goals that we've set out for. Um, so I think learning how to communicate that um, effectively and be open about where we know we have strengths and what we can step up to take on and then how we can uh, work together to to utilize all of those has been such an awesome experience and and lesson and definitely something that I'm going to take with me as I move forward. So so thank you guys for for helping me learn that. So absolutely. Um, and then advice to younger me. Let's see. Would I take this advice? I hope that I would be <laughs> wise enough to take it. But I just think that looking back, I would tell myself to stop worrying so much about what everybody else is doing around me. I think that was something, especially during that self-discovery, personal development grind of my you know, yeah. early college years, I would say um, that was something that really held me back, was being so concerned about what everybody else was doing and what everybody else had going for them and and then putting myself in comparison to them because um, Byron, as I'm sure you experienced, you know, when you're at a competitive school and you come in and then all of a sudden you have all of these people who they might have their path completely figured out, you know, and I put that in air quotes figured out because, yeah. you no know, we can see that you, <laughs> exactly, no one really has it figured out, but they can make it seem like it for sure. And so it's so easy to come in and start comparing yourself right off the bat to every person that's around you in that ultra competitive, very high achieving environment. And, and there's, there's some that's, it's great to say, you know, I can be motivated by these people around me and, and see how they're following their dreams and really working for it. But there's also, there has to be that level of separation where you can say, okay, that's their journey, but my success might look different. So for me, success might not be getting into this top club or um, or getting this crazy internship. For me, success might be sitting down and really having a moment with myself to just say, this isn't 
that's not actually something I'm interested in. You know, there's a different path that I'm actually so passionate about and finding that even just that journey, I think is that's another success, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be about tangible, you know, certificate success, if you will, but it can be about personal development success as well. And that took me a really long time to, to even realize. Um, and it's still something that I work on actually accepting in my brain. But I think that that's one thing that I wish that I would have focused more on is just what does my success look like and kind of finding my own journey because my path looked so much different than so many of my friends. But I know that if I had followed their path, then I wouldn't be as happy as I am right now and feeling as fulfilled as I am right now. So I think trusting, trust your, your path and your process. And yeah, just to echo what, what Byron said, trust, trust yourself, trust that you have value and that you are going to add value how you, you are meant to, to bring it because you have, you have such unique gifts that if someone else was walking this path, then it would look different for them too. So, oh, yeah. That's such a good point. I was saying that yesterday in the shower. Um, <laughs> I always talk to myself in the shower. No, I don't talk to myself, but well, I talk to myself in the shower. I just don't answer back. Which there is, you go. That's a good supposed, Right. Yeah. Um, I always have my big learning moments in the shower. And I was just saying like, uh, you know, just like what you're saying and combining the both of our big top talking points together. And I mean, you know, the sooner you know yourself and you know who you are, which a lot mm. of people don't, and they do a really good job in faking it. But I think every morning you wake up, you should look at yourself in the mirror and ask, who am I? And, you know, not so much, what do you want to do today? But who are you? Mm. And, you know, how can you be the best you that you can be possible? Because it's not about the person across the room. It's about who you are. And the sooner you, you realize that, you know, you're off to the races. Yeah. <laughs> I got chills, man. I know. Oh. It's That's great because I think you you touched on this, Kelly, and I. this is something I just heard very recently around the comparing thing that we all do. And I think it's inevitable. I think people, it's human nature. You're constantly like, am I here? You know, am I up here? Am I down here? I'm in the middle. Like you're constantly trying to assess where you are or a lot of us are. And what you said, which you kind of glossed over, but I think is so important, this idea of, if you're comparing yourself to someone who's actualized in a way that's inspirational to you, then use that to motivate you or to get you thinking about things in a different way. If if you're doing it in such a way that they're kind of bringing you down or that it's somehow more toxic or it's not it's not really to your benefit, then it's letting go of that and recognizing to your point that it it really doesn't matter because ultimately it's it's kind of how you're experiencing the world and how you're acting in the world and what you're doing and what you think of yourself, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think those are so, it's like, I love these conversations because I feel like they are not really age specific. I think we all struggle with, with these things wherever we are. And I think you both are so eloquent and so awesome to be candid and share your vulnerabilities and share what you've been through. And, and I do think like anybody can relate to it. So that's what I loved about, you know, working with both of you and continue to, to, to love, which is you're bringing us a fresh perspective and you're bringing us a different way of looking at things. And, you know, I've always felt like this. We, we say that my sisters, I am, I'm the youngest of five. So they joke a lot about how I parent because it's different than obviously when they parented, you know, a while ago. And they're like, you never talk to your kids like they're kids, right? Because I feel like everybody's human. And Missy's like that too. I think we're very similar in that, like, you know, everybody is a human. <laughs> and just how do you, you know, sometimes you have to adjust how you talk to, to different levels of human. But for the most part, you know, everybody, <laughs> regardless of your age, you have something to offer, right? You, you can learn from everybody. And I think yeah. that creates this great, fulfilling world when you're open to that. So thank you both. Thank you for all your contr contributions to TFA. Kelly, we wish you the best on your Fulbright journey. We can't wait to hear all about it. And we know you'll be back in some capacity when you return. I'm putting out my positive intention and manifesting that already. <laughs> I love it. I'll accept it. <laughs>
<clears throat> and Byron, uh, we get to continue to work with you, which is amazing. And um, Missy's on here too. She's been pretty quiet, but I'm just so grateful for this group. And it's been such a wonderful experience so far. I can't wait to see what happens next. So oh, thanks everybody. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What a team. I know. Yes. Thank you, Kelly and Byron. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you both and appreciate your personal stories of challenges and success. You both have what appears to be endless energy to pursue and learn. And throughout this interview, you really gave us a how-to guide on being positive and open to possibilities when things don't turn out the way you expected. Thank you to my producer, Missy, and thank you to our ever-growing audience. We appreciate your continued support. As a reminder, if you like Relatable, please subscribe and leave comments. Relatable can be found on most streaming platforms. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter and the TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.